0: hello everybody, it's such a pleasure to be here in such wonderful company um, and being a part of putting together some of the discussions and considerations for the Green Light Project. Uh, With regard to the colour green and alchemy, it really just occurred to me that my introduction to the practical aspects of alchemy alchemy as a living practical art as opposed to um, a bunch of symbols and psychological interpretations of what these symbols might mean or as modern science would consider the mad pursuit of turning lead into gold. My teacher was, um, may he rest in peace, um, Akaria Manfred Junius, who wrote a wonderful book, which has been published under various names. When I first read it, it was the practical guide, practical handbook to plant alchemy. But he originally wrote it in Italian, and its um, title there was Alchimia Verde, Green Alchemy. And traditionally, uh, the neophyte approaching alchemy is introduced into the work by working with plants. And there are several reasons for this. Uh, For a start, it's safer. You're not dealing with dangerous substances and boiling mercury and whatever it might be. But also because the plant kingdom exemplifies the three principles in a very beautiful way and a very simple way. And when I say the three principles, I mean what the alchemists call the tria prima. And these are soul, spirit and body. Because from the alchemical perspective, nothing can manifest in our physical reality without these three principles. And the soul is the um, identifying principle. The spirit, if you like, is the mediating life force. And the body is the vehicle within which soul and spirit can, as it were, land and begin their work of working together. And, of course, they are opposites, in a sense. Um, and they um, part of the journey, uh, both on the practical level and on the spiritual level, is reconciling the oppositions between soul and spirit. Um, to give you an idea of how those um, principles are exemplified in the plant work, uh, spirit, we talk of alcohol as spirits, And the reason for this is that um, the first people to discover um, distillation in the West were Arab um, alchemists who realised that when they threw salt onto boiling wine in the course of their um, experiments and explorations, they realised it gave this great chukba of alcohol, of this spirit. Which they, which was intoxicating in a sense. They realised that there was this spirit in wine, and they wished to somehow capture it. And so they developed, you know, a hood to capture the, the vapours, and realised that, that if um, if they were able to lead them off and cool, you could distil down this pure spirit of wine. Now, and the interesting thing with alcohol, with plant spirit is that every single plant, given the right circumstances, will produce alcohol, ethanol, spirit. And once you've distilled it beyond 96%, it becomes undifferentiated. You can no longer tell which plant it came from. And that exemplifies the universal aspect of spirit as it is understood in an alchemical context. Now, the spirit, the alcohol, can be used to to draw out of plants what we call the soul of the plant. And the soul of the plant is that which differentiates it. Unlike the alcohol, which is undifferentiated, the soul is the aspect of the plant which identifies it absolutely from any other plant. Now, in a darkened room, you can smell the difference between lavender and rose, say, through the essential oil. So the essential oil in the plant, plant is that which is essential to it. It's its very essence, identifying essence. And that is the soul which the spirit can draw out in terms of um, the tincture, if you like. Um, I won't go further into the actual processes involved in separating out the principles, But it seems to me in the course of what we've been considering today that there is a movement from the gold, from the green, below as it were, to the gold, um, represented by the sun. So green is Mother Nature down here. Tom referred to this, this sort of twofold paradise, eternal paradise, where both the greening... the the verdant springing of nature is happening at the same time as the golden harvest is being eternally gathered in. So we see this in the process of spring to autumn, the green which gradually turns to gold. And it's interesting that green is the colour of Venus, um, except where she's considered as copper or pure love, where that is the pink the pink of copper, the pink of love, but down here as the goddess of Mother Nature, if you like, um, she's um, Venus as the number five, and the um, the ten, the dodecan, um, is the number of the sun, and sun, of course, is the gold. So there's this movement, in a sense, between the Venusian and the solar. And of course in, the, in our planetary system, what is between Venus and the Sun, it's Mercury. And Mercury, Mercury is this mediating principle, which mediates the above and below as exemplified in the Emerald Tablet. So the Emerald Tablet is this um, primary um, teaching, in a sense this primary document of the understanding of what alchemy is all about. And it is all about the bringing down of that which is above and taking up the below back to the above. So you have this circulation. And the circulation is like a figure eight. And the figure number eight is the number of mercury. So the mercury is always mediating... This connection between the above and the below, which is the alchemical process of um, refining our spirit and refining our soul, so that the soul and the spirit are in this um, endless circulation of coming down below and back up again and mingling until they achieve the chemical wedding. And the chemical wedding is um, exemplified in um, alchemical iconography um, as gold, for example. The philosopher's stone is that which will turn the base things, base metals, that which is below, into the incorruptible um, sun. And this is, um, sun is being 10, that's represented by the number 10, as a visual symbol, in a sense, representing the masculine and the feminine. And the union of those creates the glyph for the sun, which is a circle, which is, as it were, inseminated, because the point in the middle represents, of course, the centre on the one hand, the ineffable centre, but it also represents the seed, which is the potential, for the whole work to begin again. So, creation is an act which comes from, as it were, nothing, or the thing which is not a thing, which, as it were, somehow, like the Ouroboros itself, which is sucking on its tail, somehow manages to unwind itself and is self-procreating, the sort of divine parthenogenesis. Now it's interesting, considering Eden as well, that um, we have have the serpent on the one hand, and we have the male, and we have the female, and we have the apple. And the apple, if you cut it cross-section, also gives us the symbol of Venus. Because the seeds are arranged in a pentagon, and there are usually five of them expressing a pentagram. So there is a mystery there between the, the green serpent on the one hand and the apple and the beginning of the journey, the, the fall into the below of Adam and Eve, what is considered the expulsion from Eden. But if you read the Bible quite carefully, it's not actually an expulsion. They are not expelled from Eden. They break the only rule that they've got. Inevitably, and of course it's inevitable because nothing's unknown to the creator of everything, it was inevitable that this would happen. But when God comes calling through the garden after they have um, been shocked by their nakedness and have separated away from this Edenic um, union, this harmony, this golden bliss within the verdant green of the garden... They cover themselves with a green leaf of the fig tree to hide their their shame, their nakedness symbolically. But when God comes calling through the garden, he's not saying, right, you horrible lot, I know what you've done, and I'm going to have you for that. I give you one rule, and what do you do? You break it. No, he comes calling for them in love. He feels the separation. Where are my children? Where are you? And they hide from God. They hide, they creep away, they leave Eden. Now, as they're leaving, of course, their leaving is noticed and there is a certain damning. Well, look what you've done. You've really set yourselves up now. But there is a sense in which the whole human story is um, coming to an understanding of what has happened in this great... um, This great story, which is both a fall on the one hand, but an invitation to return, this endless invitation to return, which is available to each and every one of us as we are the centre of the universe, if you like, returning back to its true understanding of itself, which is exemplified by the whole um, process of alchemy. Another thing that um, I was thinking about when you mentioned Gawain, and, of course, the Gawain story is, um, is fascinating. We could talk for a long time about this, but to mention just one thing, he is tempted, Gawain is tempted in this challenge that he has to um, fulfil his obligation to meet the green knight and accept the blow that he had himself bestowed upon the knight um, and take the cut from the axe he is um, put through some challenges set up by Morgan Le Fay, who is the color green, um, as well. And he has to resist the advances of his host's wife, which he successfully does for two nights. On the second night, she offers him the gold ring and implores him to take the gold ring. And the gold ring, of course, represents the sun itself. It is gold and it is. Um, It is the ring, but he manages to resist it, but on the third night, he feels that he really must accept the gift that she pushes on him, which is the girdle made of entwined, plaited, um, green and gold silk. Now he was quite right not to accept simply the gold, because his challenge is to understand the journey. From, from the green to the gold, which is this ordeal which is working through nature. And nature is expressing itself in two ways, because nature is, on the one hand, always this writhing struggle for life and bursting from the soil and, you know, coming up to flower and then dying and seeding and and this endless sort of writhing... Um, competitive aspect of nature. In Gawain and the Green Knight, nature is presented as this wild, unruly, threatening, death is at the centre of nature. Um, And he has to go through his ordeals in order to reach the understanding of his true nature, sublimate his lower nature, which is in this struggle for survival, this mortal combat, which of course is ultimately pointless because we will all die, but we have the opportunity to return to the source to find heaven if we can sublimate our lower nature and through allowing nature to take our hand, express what she really is which is an expression of the eternal because it's the expression of beauty, majesty, glory, harmony expressed in love by the sovereign good that is all giving forever and ever. Amen.